Hello, welcome to Nimbus Magnifica. Today we're going to be discussing Love Minus 80. Years in the future, dead women in cryogenic dating farms wait rich, lonely suitors to resurrect them and take them home. Love Minus 80 follows interconnected lives touched by these dating farms. There's Rob, who accidentally kills the jogger, then sells everything to visit her, seeking her forgiveness but instead falling in love. Veronica, a socially awkward dating coach, finds herself responsible for the happiness of a man whose life she saved against his will. And Mira, a gay woman accidentally placed in the heterosexual dating center in its exception. Tersley seeks a way to reunite with her frozen partner as the centuries pass in this daring and big-hearted novel based on the Hugo-winning short story, The Lovelorn Navigate, a world in which technology has reached the outer limits of morality and romance. In addition to that, we discuss a little bit of Scandal at the end, for those who watch that show. And I forgot during the episode to shout out Sergio and Angela. Thank you so much for your tweets. You can follow us on Twitter at Nimbus Magnifica. Um, I really should see Chris, this is why I need an iPad because so then I have my things open, my tweets open while recording so I could read them or the, I guess I could do that with my phone. But it's so much harder to ignore if I had this large iPad in front of me. So yeah, so thank you so much, Sergio and Angela, for listening. And um, you could follow, you could anything about the show you could see on Nimbus Magnifica on Twitter. The website is nimbusmagnifica.wordpress.com. But there's a pretty high statistical likeliness that you already knew that if you were listening to the show. But whatever. And then you could also follow me, Edward Giordano. I bet that that's the twitter name and tiff langston and our guest oh i should i should i wait for the reveal i don't know oh well cue that music Welcome to episode six of Nimbus Magnifica. Is that right? Did I just say the right number? Uh, I don't know. Um, I think it's six. I, I think, think it's six. six. Yeah. And I'm joined, as always, by the lovely Tiff Langston. How are you doing today? I am doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. But you know why we're doing especially great right now? Why are we doing especially great right now? Because we have Jennifer of gleeful podcast fame with us oh my gosh thanks so happy feel- to be here thank you for having me thank you for coming do you ever like get stopped in the street when people hear your voice and be like are you <laughs> jennifer <laughs> lane burnell uh no because i live in la and unless i'm singing really loud with the windows down in my car nobody hears <laughs> my voice ever <laughs> but that's funny that, that would be very very funny acceptable that is acceptable (laughs) (laughs) and believable acceptable and believable i think i only ran into like now only one one gleeful podcast listener in orlando and only one in chicago and 
one in Boston, but I but I like I tweeted to get those. I was like, meet me, and then I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, anyways, so how's your weekend going, Jen? Pretty good. It's been busy but fun. Lots of birthday celebrations, so it's nice to uh, nice to be able to share that with people. But yeah, and here I am now with you guys. There you go, enjoying the time. How about you? Mm-hmm. How how are you doing, Tiffany? Uh, I'm doing really well, actually. I uh, I had a pretty relaxing weekend, and those are few and far between. And I appreciate every moment. Good, good. It's good. it's important to report, appreciate those. Um, <laughs> Uh, Shira texted me saying that she was, she was gonna come, but she had to go to work because they th- threatened if she didn't come in, then she wouldn't still have a job. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, oh, that's a little, yikes. that's a little, that's a little rough. That's kind of harsh. Yeah, yeah, for real. You got to blow that froyo stand. I'm just kidding. Don't <laughs> don't quit your job. <laughs> don't quit your job. It's not worth it. And then Gabby, Gabby has been sick lately, so I wish her the best with that. And oh, yeah. let's let's just dive right in. Um, what okay? What are your first impressions of Love Minus Eighty, Jen? I'm really surprised at how much I enjoyed it. I was a little unsure. I don't read a lot of fantasy, and I certainly wasn't expecting this type of fantasy. And it, it took a little while. I was maybe twenty percent in. And I was like, oh, it's like Love Actually in the future. I really dig this. So I, I really liked it. I don't know if any of you saw my Goodreads review, but I thought this, this book killed in so many ways. So good. Mm-hmm. So I, many good has, characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, and it's to me, as I'm reading it, I'm like, wow, this is Ed's dream future. <laughs> you know? <laughs> A to little have, bit. Have social media bit. and all those screens to, to follow and then to be able to follow people. And oh, my God. I just, I was like, yeah, this is, this is where Ed wants to be. It's true. I would not mind being in Love Minus 80 for prolonged life-ness. And, and the filters and the sub-vocalizing seemed pretty exciting to me. That was kind of cool. That was kind of cool. Um, what's, what's, what was your thoughts on this, Tiffany? I actually, I'm hesitant to say, but I think it's probably my favorite book that we have, have read and so far. Because, well, I, like Jen, before before I, um, you know, joined up with this podcast, did not read a lot of uh, sci-fi or fantasy, but I did read a lot of romance novels. And at the heart of this is a romance novel with, you know, sci-fi packaging. So I was all about it. Yeah, I mean, that's what that's what it was. Like, I thought Jen's uh, brief description was perfect. Like, love actually in the future. And it had, and what, what made it a great sci-fi? Is that it, it? It included technologies and the social implication of those technologies. Like that's that's mm-hmm. what like, and it explored different characters' viewpoints. It wasn't like it was a bad thing. It wasn't like it was a good thing. It was just a thing, which is pretty accurate if this were to happen. Yeah, it, I thought it was cool that they didn't make a stance. They didn't. It, they weren't making commentary about how you know out of hand and out of control it gets or anything like that. Because they show how varying people live in varying levels of that type of exposure and immersion in um, technology and social media. And yeah, I thought it was really cool. And I, I'm okay. I'm going to fess up. I did cry a couple of times. It got oh, a so little bit there. So did I. Oh, good. Good. I cried. Oh, gosh. I don't know. 
like Rob storyline. And so, of course, Mira at one point. So there you go. Those are those are the big criers. Oh, yeah. Well, I didn't cry, um, but I read the majority of this in Beauty Shop. And see, if you start crying, then people will be all up in your business asking you what's wrong and thinking it's like something having to do with your life. <laughs> so I had to kind of keep it under control. But but I agree that those two were the uh, the, the most uh, sort of moving storylines as far as far as tears are concerned. True story. Um, Emily commented to me that she liked it, but she did not cry. So Emily plug right now. <laughs> I don't, I just, Hi, Emily. Yeah, I know, right? What was everyone's least favorite and favorite uh, perspective character? Do you want to start, Tiffany? Um. Okay. My favorite character. I mean, of the three, of the three perspective characters. Oh. Oh. Okay. Oh goodness. Um. No, let me think about it. Someone else start. Okay. Well, oh. I'll, I'll. I could. I could open unless Jen, you want to open. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> okay. I'm new to this whole book club um, type of structure, so I'm happy well, to follow. <laughs> I just make things up as I go. So there you go. Welcome. Um, there's so the, the three perspective characters was Rob, Veronica, and and Mira, and I liked all three of them. But if I had to pick a favorite, it would have to be Veronica. Even though it's very, I could very easily make a case that she's my least favorite. But I related with Veronica on so many things that it's just like, even even in even in her annoyance, which which she really wasn't really, but she was just a little bit. She was probably she was just so real. Like Veronica was such a real woman. And then um, my least favorite storyline, I mean not least favorite perspective uh, perspective character was Mira, only because of the lack of stuff he got from her. If we got more Mira, I think I could have. She could have edged out Rob, but well, I felt Rob had the opposite issue where he was a little overplayed, and I feel like a fourth character would have really strengthened this. But okay, what are what are your thoughts? I would have to say that my favorite is probably Rob, and only because he seems like the type of person who is almost like too good to be true, and I'm I'm an eternal optimist, so I, I appreciate his. In, innate goodness um and i think my least character my least favorite is probably M- mira for the same reason though i just don't feel like she got enough screen time true story i mean i like rob a lot but it kind of got on me how every character was like rob you're a saint you're a saint i'm like i know he's a saint we don't he doesn't need to be told all the time or i don't need to be told Keep Not, it off I'm drinking the, the rob saint kool-aid saint rob kool-aid I mean, he was Saint Rob, but and I don't think he, I don't think he wasn't doing everything he possibly could. But I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe the reason I don't like Rob as much as I should because I beat myself up all the time and Rob was building himself all all the time. So it's like, like I don't need to I don't need to read a book to experience my own life. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And, and 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 your thoughts, Jen? Well, I um. I'm going to, okay, I'll, I'll start backwards. I'll, I'll agree. Mira was unfortunately shortchanged in the amount of uh, story that she got. She was certainly sympathetic and played a pivotal role toward the end. But, yeah, it's just hard to really rally behind her. And as far as my favorite, I would say Veronica. Just because I feel like I've been her or had been her for so long. And, you know, that person who 
who wants to be a good person and and is trying and he's like yeah she's snarky but you know but when it comes down to it she is a good friend and she's always there for them and she she does a lot to try to rally other people to be good and support them as well and I do I like how she you know when I mean I don't know how much detail you want to get into but like toward the end when when you know Nathan expresses his his feelings and you know she doesn't she doesn't turn her back on is it lichen yeah lichen yeah um, i don't know if i'm you, pronouncing yeah, that properly we are we are this is the spoiler zone we can't possibly oh. discuss the book without spoiling it i mean so oh, yeah absolutely. go okay <laughs> go, go into much detail as you feel is necessary to yeah. give, do your anecdotes yeah i just i thought that she was i don't know is not honorable maybe it's honorable but she just she didn't she didn't give in just because you know that was now looking like it was going to work out for her i don't know like i think she was just she seemed very grounded and she was she was just she was very real yeah that's like yeah i mean she was flawed she was she was jealous she was insecure she was snarky (laughs) but you know when it all came down to it she she had a really good heart Okay, well let's let's go into something a bit more controversial. A character that I love. I love her, Lorelai. <laughs> okay, let me I lay out. You would. <laughs> I'm just gonna lay out why I love Lorelai, because there's she she had some moments of like pure unadulterated clarity. Where she's like, like what better way to know myself than through the lens of how other people see me? And I was like, that's just it's so brilliant. And even though she's, like, self-obsessed, manipulative, uh, like, every like every bad moniker you could throw at her. But, <laughs> Same whore. But, but I don't know. She just knows what she is, and she embraces it. I actually really like Lorelai, but mainly because out of everybody, she's the one who felt the most real. Even though she wasn't really because she was putting on a show. I know that sounds weird, right? But <laughs> That does sound a little weird. But I feel like her need for acceptance and her need for attention are sort of very real, you know, qualities that people that I know have, if that makes sense. Yes, that does make sense. So so you're saying that like like this this whole act that she was putting on was because this was this was what she needed and this is how she can get it. Well, I've, in, in my, I interpret it as being driven really by insecurity. Like she needs to have all these eyes on her. She needs people to appreciate her and want to tune into her life because at the end of the day, she's not very secure in herself as a person. At least that's how I read it. Very cool. Yeah. And I, I get that. I get, um, <laughs> I, I wasn't, I wasn't enamored by her. And I know at one point, Ed, you tweeted, um, who's feeling sympathy for Lorelai now? And I was like, oh, still not feeling it. But I mean, I, it's like, yes, especially nowadays is with reality TV and, you know, reality celebrities and so forth. It's pretty, pretty obvious, you know, that, that this can and will exist. And, and in a way, yeah, she was very honest. She never, she never, like any relationship she had, it, it would, it was full disclosure that her life was an open book, even if she had, you know, coaches and directors <laughs> telling her what to do and say. But she was, you know, she was very transparent about that. So 
yeah, anybody who entered a relationship with her should have been you know, ready to accept that and understand that's all they were going to get, that they were just another character in her public drama. Hey, Josh. Is Lorelai the equivalent of Taylor Swift? And like, if you become my boyfriend, I have full rights to write the breakup song about you because that's what's going to happen. And you knew this fully well coming into this. I was thinking more Kim Kardashian. <laughs> oh. But um, but yeah. Thank you. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, so it's, I mean, as much as she infuriated me and her, her, her vanity and her obsession and her need for all of this attention, and it's like, okay, she had a messed up family life. Pretty messed up. A lot of people do, but they don't need to become the center of attention and, and um, you know, treat other people like crap just for ratings. So it was, it was easy to get annoyed with her, not as easy to be sympathetic, but at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, she was she was very straightforward and honest in her deception. <laughs> <laughs> in her deception, yes, very true. Now, now on to another topic. Uh, what about if you being probably above eighty five percent, Jen? If you if you were to be suddenly be mauled by a, a wall, would you want to be bridesicled? <laughs> um, that is a good question. You didn't think of you. I'm sure you must have thought about this at some you point, know, right? I thought about the. I mean, I don't know if I would. I don't know if I would make the cut, you know, at this point. But um, I mean, I thought about what it might be like for them, and you know how when they describe when they're they're not really asleep, but they're they they know what's going to happen right before it happens, and then they're not really asleep. They kind of that that fear and anxiety lingers with them, and they're their frozen state. I think if I knew all of that ahead of time, and then certainly, you know, the only way out is to be an indentured servant to a rich, old, horny man. I don't know that that would be my choice. I think I would be okay with um, going in the ground or whatever they called it. You wouldn't, you wouldn't hold on to that hope? I mean, I don't know. I could see... I don't know. Well, they made they made a quick pass at this where they said like religious religions have agreed that the afterlife or whatever it is doesn't exist until your body decomposes. Mm -hmm. So if your body hasn't de decomposed, then you're still a part of this earth, according to like the quick like blurb they did. Right. I can't see. I mean, if I had the option right now to to take out life or death insurance, I don't know that I would do that. I feel, I mean, I feel pretty satisfied in the life that I've led and just to be revived and then be brought back in an unknown time without my family and friends and loved ones. I don't know that I would want to put myself into that unknown future. True. I think it all comes down to like hope. Like, even though you're probably not going to be revived, you could be like, well, maybe I will be. And yeah, that's worth it. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up Catholic, so, you know, the promise of an afterlife has always been there. But I don't really think about an afterlife. And I don't think about what happens beyond what I'm doing right now. <laughs> it's so boring. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Your answers are honest. That's what we're here for. <laughs> what about you, Tiffany? Did you, did you consider this option? My biggest fear would to end up like 
Myra, where you're you're in the box for decades and decades, right? Like if you, let's say, had been frozen in the 1940s and you woke up now, I don't even, I can't even begin to think of what that would be like. I'm of the mindset that uh, I don't think I would want to be frozen and, and then revived maybe possibly at a later date. I think I would just be like, let go personally. Very, very good. I don't know. I'm even the groomsicle program didn't work out very well. Because um, women are fine without men. No offense. <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> I I guess I would consider it. I mean, it intrigues me this idea. Even if I like wake up in three hundred years and everything's different, and I know no one. I don't know. I feel like I would try to make the best of it for what it's worth. I guess that that's my final answer. Yeah, I mean, like. I guess if somebody came to Josh and I and said, hey, if you guys die, you know, together or, you know, separate, but then could be revived together, you know, that might be different as opposed to, you know, well, again, in, in, in Myra's case, she didn't even have a choice. This isn't something she signed up for. It was her work that had the insurance on her and she just ended up hanging around for whatever reason in the bridesicle program and so which does make it even more seem a little unfair yeah i don't definitely don't think that you should not have the choice of whether or not to participate i think that's wrong yeah wasn't didn't mira have a choice to get unplugged at one point like after she was revived one of those times but she chose she tried not to get moved i guess when you're dead and quiet it's easy just to like ignore you (laughs) But then once you're woken up, I mean, now it's like, okay, well, you've gone this far now. Now I don't want to knowingly die. I mean, like, you know, if I died in an accident, hopefully it's going to be quick and painless. And I'm I'm not aware of my fate, you know, leading up to that point. But then knowing that these five-minute breaks, these five-minute increments of lucidity, then all of a sudden you're just going to be, you know, stored away again. I think that, yeah, I think it's the knowing of what's going to happen, that the knowledge, the awareness of your situation yeah, would drive me crazy. Yeah, that, that concept of like, the way they describe it, you know, they reach it above and they press the button and you go away. You're like, oh, that's really sad. It is really sad. I, I, I mean, it, you feel trapped, but you can't do anything about it. And then you don't even know when you're going to be awake again. You're like, uh, what year is this, please? Thanks. Yeah, I don't know. And then, you know, buried alive phobia. That's, that's just, that's just <laughs> weird. Let's go on to something slightly lighter now, now that I've dragged this down <laughs> a little bit. Um, I loved the loot. Like, it was just a good detail in my mind. Like, it was like something that you don't, you didn't, you wouldn't have expect such a, like, archaic instrument or archaic anything to be in this futuristic setting. And it was just like such a, it was like such a nice surprise. Yeah, I mean, I they, more they, to be picked said. A, they picked an instrument that's almost extinct now. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. I don't know. It was, it was, it was just like something I didn't expect. And the, well, this whole book, a lot of things I didn't expect. I did not expect like to be so invested in the characters. I didn't expect to be so invested in like all these things about it. I guess 
I guess the next big threshold that we need to cross is when Winter is brought back by Big Red. Oh, actually, can we just jump back to the the loot thing? Yes. I think it really, and like Tiffany said, yeah, it's like it's almost, you know, an obsolete instrument now. But I think it really illustrates how, what a romantic soul Rob is. Because he, you know, he chooses to have, you know, to play this instrument that I'm sure then is like, people must think it's some bizarre ancient artifact and the fact that he still plays it is kind of it's really sweet and makes him even more likable i i did not think of it as character revealing but now that you said it that way i'm like duh why didn't i see it that way <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it totally makes sense it, like he has like this romantic old world charm to him and- yeah he's like a renaissance man and then like, he like gave up his uh, his system so that he can go see Win- uh, Mira as, or Winter as much as times as he could. So yeah. there you go, yeah, there you go. That was a, that's very good insight into the character. And then, so post Winter being awake, wh- did did you feel like it took too long to get to the point where she was awake, or did you feel like it came at a good time, or was it, or did you want the book to end when she was awoken, or like what what were the thoughts on this? Because it very easily, Winter could have, like, the last page could have been, like, Winter died or Winter was awoken. And that could have been the end of the story. I mean, in some arguments. Do you mean, like, like she was, like, awoken or she was, like, revived? Revived. That's that's what I really mean. Uh, you know, going back to what we were talking about earlier about um, Mira, Myra, Mira. Even though we didn't necessarily feel like she got a whole lot of screen time, I do think it's interesting that the book started with her. And the book ended with her. So maybe we're not giving oh, yeah. her enough credit as far as her importance from the author's perspective, maybe. Well, Mira was important because she set up this like this storyline of desperation that the Bridesicles had. Whereas if you just saw Winter's story, you might it might not have the same impact. But since you were going into Winter's story and knowing Mira's story, then we, we know what's at stake for Winter. We know like if Rob doesn't make this work, she, she could be there for 300 years and she could be like Mira. Yeah. So, so I, Mira was used to exemplify the tragedy of winter. Mm-hmm. Okay. At least to the narratively, I believe. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely someone who's easy to sympathize with, but you just don't have as much of a, a personal investment because you don't know as much about her life. But it's certainly very impactful, the things you do know. And then, yeah, her whole her whole plea. I think as far as when Winter becomes revived and, and married to, to Red, Big Red, um, I thought that was a good amount of time because I think, you know, the, the, the storylines that followed for her in person after, we, we got enough of that and then... Like for me, it worked, and I and I liked that it the way it kind of built up, and then there was you know this um, you know the, the urgency to the situations just couldn't go as they were going. That there was an urgency in in her uh, existence there, and they need to make a change really quick and do something. And and I liked the I think that you know that that kind of building that tension building was really effective. And then yeah, I liked I liked the a lot. I liked the way the rest of her in-person life played out. And I even like the uncertainty of where they ended up. 
because I'm really hopeful for them. So I'm okay not knowing exactly how it played out, but I do like that they ended up together. I know. Like right after they they were they, the two's revived, it's like, well, Rob and her, they they're this isn't happening. And no matter even though they were like so compatible, everything was perfect except for he killed her, of course. Minus that little detail. <laughs> Besides that, they were perfect for each other. And yeah. I I thought there was some really great scenes. There was this one scene where she brought him back somewhere. To maybe like I want to say like to some tall building, but I'm I'm for I'm forgetting the specific details. And they were like looking at different plaques, mm-hmm. and that that scene she um what made it so effective was it was like breakup, but there was such it was like a like love and hope, but it was like laced with all this humor from winter, and mm-hmm. it was just so that's what made it so good. I was like like he like the Will McIntosh used humor so effectively in these really tense scenes and i just yeah i just wanted to say that was fantastic <laughs> yeah i agree yeah, I, wish I, like I, the- I wish i could pull out specific examples but i mean i just remember laughing and i was like no this is a tense moment why am i <laughs> laughing <laughs> yeah but that's what made them feel so real as well you know we all kind of you know a lot of people fall back on humor to diffuse the tension and the way you know she never said I love you to Rob but the way she said you know in all the ways she told him why she couldn't he knew and I just thought that was really well done and you, you really you know you, you ached for them and and were rooting for them somehow you know and it was not gonna end well <laughs> it was not it was not gonna be an easy way for them to do that but you were still rooting for it yeah, I mean, I when they ended up together, it, it could have been really easy for people to. I, I I guess what I'm saying is, is some, sometimes I have an issue with payoff, right? Like I don't think you deserved X, Y, and Z, but I really feel like they went through so much that I felt like when they did end up together, that I felt like they it was good payoff. Like they they had worked hard to deserve, you know, everything that they were gonna get positive anyway um you know i i'm definitely I have been known in the past to be like no he didn't he didn't deserve that payoff but i, I really feel yeah. like they didn't i think that was important for those characters specifically yeah okay. and it was interesting the way they also it's like they didn't they didn't just rely on oh well some rich horny guy unfreezes her and now she has to be at his beck and call like it wasn't just like oh sorry poor little rich girl you have to now basically pay back somebody for saving your life you know they talked about the way his family treated her like she was just this you know this possession and she was totally indebted to them and if she didn't you know finish food then she had she was force-fed it because she couldn't waste anything so it wasn't just that you know she was forced to live a loveless existence with a man who gave her everything he actually the life wasn't a free life. She was, you know, his servant. Right. And the family servant, which made it even sadder. <laughs> yeah, true. And then he was never around, but whatever. That, that was probably for the best because that allowed her to do things, at least yeah. some of the time. Or so she thought. Well, yeah. <laughs> You know, we talked about a little bit about Lorelai, and I'm thinking of more like sort of the supporting cast. And I know that, um, and I know that I, I guess Lorelai rules your world. Um, but how did we feel 
about Nathan specifically or Lycan or whatever his name is. We talk a little bit more about some of yeah. the supporting folks. Mm-hmm. Supporting people. Uh, Nathan was, I thought Nathan was very real for like exactly like like he he was put in this terrible situation that he didn't do really anything about it except for like except for getting into a fight with winter but getting into a fight with a person doesn't mean they should die like that isn't that isn't the natural conclusion so i don't know like nathan visited her once he's like i'll help you visit her pay to visit her but i'm not like i understand why he wanted to get out of that yeah so so i i i, I like nathan a lot i wish we would have got more from him yeah, and it's like anything that they like I never felt like he was a bad guy either. It's like, you know, he was always very I mean, maybe a little flirty with Veronica, but it's not as if he ever gave her any indication that they were more than friends. He was always a good friend to her. He always made time for her. He Yeah, I mean, he 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 helped out Rob where he could. I mean, I think he did it <laughs> I think his initial motivation was curiosity and also to, you know, maybe get one step closer to Lorelai. But he didn't, like, to me, he wasn't, he didn't, he wasn't as vain and vapid as Lorelai. Like, I felt like there was something more substantial to him. And he was definitely flawed, but a likable enough guy. And yeah, I, I liked him. Yeah, Nathan was awesome. And then, um, what was the, oh, Lycan as a sporting character? I liked Lycan as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, he wasn't very good at expressing his feelings, coincidentally enough. Ironically, <laughs> has been that the word ironically has been ruined by Alanis Morissette for everyone to use. I can't like coincidentally <laughs> enough. I, I, I agree a hundred percent. About about uh, ironically or about yes. Lycan or both. No, well, uh, both, but specifically about how like ninety five percent of the things in that song were not ironic. <laughs> <laughs> they were well, see, ruined it for everyone. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> not for everyone. You can't use you can't use that word because you're like, oh, hold on, what does it actually mean? Ironically, I I I don't know. Okay, <laughs> lol. <laughs> like, is this really the most ironic thing to happen in this situation? Uh, so, Lycan, Lycan, he was like going around. What do you think about Lycan commuting suicide and then being brought back? Any any thoughts on this? It's another one of those things where he was brought back not of his own will. So I think that does kind of stink. But I do think that his life was better post-suicide attempt than pre-suicide attempt. It gave him the opportunity to live his best existence. So I guess I can't really be too mad at his company for bringing him back against his will. But, eh, you know, it's a great line. It's funny that that Veronica met him there. I I mean, obviously it was set up that way and it's a book. It's not real life, yeah. but yeah. Oh, what were you saying, Jen? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree. It's a little, yeah. I mean, being brought back against your will. I mean, he, he canceled his insurance policy, not knowing or, or not re- recognizing that his work still had something out on him and he would, he was going to have no, have to come back regardless. But I mean, yeah, his life was so much better and it's, yeah, it took some, you know, poking and prodding and insisting on Veronica's part. And I thought that was wonderful. I loved I loved the way their friendship evolved. But I also love that, you know, he's so brilliant and he has this amazing technology. And he was able to not only see that come to life, but to put it to good use and then, you know, save others in the meantime. 
and basically give them a chance he never got because you know shutting down the whole cryo med thing yeah it was i thought that the, the way that that kind of all had that um sort of ripple effect was pretty amazing and i thought he was i really i, I liked him and I, i'm so glad it was him that it, it turned out to be him that was the anonymous benefactor to rob because i was i was like oh please don't tell me it's lorelei i don't wanna i don't wanna really have to like her <laughs> but i'm glad yeah. it was i'm glad it was Lycan and not her I mean, I figured it was Lycan, and I figured, like, the only other person that it really could have maybe had been was uh, Lorelai's mom. Not Lorelai herself, yeah. but Lorelai. Oh, her, her stepmom. Yeah, her great-grandmother well, yes. slash stepmom. Uh, yes, well, Lore you know, Lorelai's family is a bit of an interesting one. For for a side character family, oh, I mean, yeah. w the author brought it. Yeah. Oh, he gave them a lot, a lot of background, a lot of... Uh, a lot of history so you you really you felt for that yeah I mean there wasn't anybody in the book that was totally despicable and, and horrible they just all were very they all seemed to be pretty decent people trying to do good at least or at least not actively hurt people I yeah. guess <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What what do we think about Lorelai using Veronica as the dating coach with Nathan. I'm sure. I'm sure that you guys have opinions about this, right? Because I don't yeah, know. Or better like, yet, what? What? Instead of what do we? What do we think her true reasoning was? I think it was just to piss off Veronica initially, and I, yeah, kind of twofold. Like I think, I think she was definitely, you know, a. A spiteful person and you know she had instant tensions with Veronica and she was like I'm gonna put her down so I think she was trying to knock her down a peg but I think in this at the same time she was definitely using that to get more insight into um, Nathan Nathan than she possibly could have on her own yeah. yeah like Veronica knew everything about Nathan like she even knew how to flirt with Nathan even if even if Nathan didn't receive it but yeah but so like Veronica was like the perfect person for Lorelai to hire. So it might be spiteful, but it was also useful and and she wasn't doing it for the ratings, because if she was doing it for the ratings, it would have been public knowledge. So so Lorelai in her heart knew this was like the best decision and the best passive aggressive decision. So double mm -hmm. points. I, I remember one of my questions now. So Tiffany, you said you read lots of romance books. Um would yes. <laughs> Would you recommend this to like your romance reading friends? And where does this rate in a romance, like as a romance book in general? Um, I think that here's the thing. The one thing that this book is missing that the majority of romance novels have is like a, a fair amount of sex and there isn't any. So I feel like people who traditionally read a lot of romance novels would be a little disappointed from that respect. I think it's a great romance novel because to me it's really more about the story and everything else is kind of just secondary, but I think people who read romance novels on a regular basis I think are looking for that sort of thing. From a story perspective, um, it I do think it's a great romance novel. Uh, it just, it's so just you're saying those sort of auxiliary things that are typically um, indicative of, of characteristics of a romance novel. So you're saying if there was two steamy sex scenes, this would have been a romance novel? 
No, or it's would it still been... a romance novel, but I think if you had two steamy sex scenes, then it would be a romance novel that people who read a lot of romance novels would really dig. I guess he could have gone there because there's really no reason Lorelai and Nathan couldn't have had sex or Lorelai and Rob couldn't have sex or Lycan and Veronica could have sex. I mean, there could have there could have been something and they chose he chose not to. And I don't know. I get I got uncomfortable doing during the sex scene in Soulless, so I appreciated <laughs> that it wasn't there for the record. Fair enough. And okay, so this is interesting. Yeah, I mean, I I thought of this as a like a love story, romance story, but yeah, like it never even crossed my mind that it, it, we weren't being told when people were having sex or weren't having sex. That's really it's kind of impressive that there's so much to tell about these people and their relationships and their lives and their feelings for one another without it being a physical thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's implied, but it's not explicit, and that's really impressive. So, I mean, because when you think about, like, you know, something like Fifty Shades of Grey, it's like there is so little plot and motivation and feeling, and the fact that, you know, it, they're taking three of those books and boiling it down to one movie because there's not enough in it <laughs> to make, you know, to make one movie for each book. It's just that is really impressive. That's I didn't even notice how much I liked this book for that reason. See, yay, good, good pick all around. Thank you, Cyra, for the pick. And oh, um, I was going to ask you, like, how did you hear about this book? Well, I originally heard about it on um, Sword and Laser, and then when I was talking with Shira, we were, we were, I she was like discussing picks with her, and I and this was one of the ones that I suggested at her. And she she picked it so from from like a list of things I had I was considering, so it's pseudo like my my pick again, <laughs> which is really whatever. But it was good hey, though, nice, right? Nicely done. I don't know the minus eighty just like well, where where I work, I do lots of negative seventy, negative eighty, negative twenty stuff. So ah. it's, it's, it's something about the title just. Gr- just grabbed me. I don't know what it was. I have no idea. <laughs> I'm I'm hoping so now that the upcoming uh, Nebula Awards are coming or are, are coming. Hello. I'm I'm hoping that it that it's nominated for best novel. I don't think it's going to be nominated for best novel, but I think it's worthy of it. At least for the nomination. Okay. But I don't know. I'm optimistic. Well, I don't I I guess I haven't read enough to know that it's really the top one of the top five books of the year, but it's definitely one of my top five books of the year. In fact, I don't know. It's either this one or Emperor Soul have been my favorite. Well, I really like Clockwork Orange, even though I shouldn't have. The reasons I like it are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> With the we got a we got a glimpse of it when Lycan and Veronica went to like the old suburban areas. Like the oh, people the without technology, lifers. the raw lifers. Yeah. What what were what were your thoughts <laughs> on the raw lifers? I wish that we would have got more because especially because we're because we know that at the end, um, Rob and Winter are gonna run off to be raw lifers in Maine or something silly like that. Go uh, south, Montana. Oh Montana. <laughs> Montana. Oh, no. Was it Montana? No, I finished this book a long time ago. Yeah. I I finished it this morning. <laughs> I gotta say, there Montana. you go. Um, so what what were your 
like what were your thoughts on the raw lifers yeah i just i know i do i feel like similarly to um six gun tarot i i felt like they there was just like one too many things going on and i don't think they spent enough time on them i actually would have to agree like there there was some implied stuff going on but i don't know i guess i would have liked to have seen like a few more details like just a couple more yeah i i'm i'm with you yeah that's right we really only had that one scene where they were interacting and she kind of panicked yeah i mean it's yeah they just kind of they didn't yeah they didn't give enough really so that we fully understand where you know winter and rob are going to end up but you know we just hope it's something that they can figure out and and, and be happy with but but yeah i mean it wasn't it, it was it was good to know that there are other existences outside of the city that it's not just lower levels that you know there are actually other places further out that people go to one of the great details which was like unnervingly awesome was when that guy came into the rob's father's barbershop that didn't have arms and he's like oh he's one of the nine percenters or whatever like mm-hmm. uh, a, like nine percent of the population that had like was born mutated because of a specific food additive pro- yeah food additive that caused the ice cream to stay on the stick better or right. something <laughs> Right. I thought that was that was a great, interesting detail, and like in the ramification, like it, it pretty much showed the ramifications of technology for the sake of technology. Actually, I read. Um, I went to a, a a big engineering school. I was in art, but you know, I still I took um, a couple of electives that were in the engineering uh, curriculum, and one of them was called Ethical Issues in Technology. It was kind of a psychology type of course, and you know, basically where the lines are drawn in science it's like do we do it because we can or because we should mm-hmm. and one of the books i had to read and this okay it's going to date me a little bit but i read this book in 1987 and it was called altered harvest and the fact that that was written probably in the early mid 80s and now you know 30 years later we're still mutating our food so that it looks better so it lasts longer so i mean like Natural food, like they 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 do this whole thing about um, strawberries that were two times the size of average strawberries, and they were all bright red. Like none of them had kind of yellow tips or anything like that. They were all bright red, all beautiful, but they had no flavor. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you know even 30 years ago they were aware that this was an issue, but we're still doing it. So yeah, it's so getting little hints of what's going to happen, you know, 300 years from now is, is kind of scary, but, uh, very, hey, this uh, is a better, fi- better future than idiocracy is. Idiocracy oh my still God. scares me. It does. Oh my God. <laughs> that really, really does. Oh. So I was just listening to NPR yesterday and they were talking about how we, we can at this moment when, when a baby is in, in, in the womb while the pregnant, you can you could extract the blood that's that's flowing in the placenta or something. I don't know all the words right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever, and you could you could you could do you could map out the entire genome from that blood of the child. Yeah. At, at like something like twelve or fourteen weeks of pregnancy. So and but the question is, do we want to? And I guess I guess let's. I I love these big ethical questions. So mm-hmm. that's that's what that's what that's the science. To me, that's the point of science fiction and fantasy is to explore these ethical questions before they become an issue so that we can be prepared for it. Right. Now, do do we 
like I love Gattaca as a movie and I believe <laughs> I believe in designer babies. I believe that it's going to happen one way or another in our future. It just the question is are we ready now for designer babies? Oh goodness. Um <sighs> wow. I struggle with that because well no, I don't really struggle with it. I don't I don't think we should. I mean, if you're talking about you know, uh, a breeding a race of people that is free of disease. Okay, but if you're breeding a race of people that all look alike and are all perfect in every way, then no. And I don't think that, I think that once the technology is perfected, that, you know, that choice is no longer. I think that that choice will be taken away and it's just going to go to a homogenized society. And I just don't, I don't see how that could be good. Well, I mean, I, I'm a bit confused. I'm a bit conflicted on this because I am the uh, first in vitro fertilization in Indiana. So I... Are you really? I, yes, I am. I did so, not know that. Oh, wow. It's a fun fact to add. I was, so yeah, go check out 1988, August 5th issue of of some Indiana newspaper. I was on the cover of something. I, I, read, <laughs> I read the article at one point in my life. And um, like, I don't know. It's... To me, technology, I'm not saying, I don't believe in homogenized society, but I do believe if you could recombine the two parents' genome in the best possible way, that is, like, not prone to disease, that is, that is like, as good of the human as could possibly exist with your two genomic sequences, then I'm like, why not? Why, why should... Are the future generations suffer in any way when we could stop them from suffering physically anyway? Wow, it's just I think that the the application of it for good would cease to exist very quickly once people realize what they could do. I mean, how different is it from what you know Hitler was trying to do? Well, Hitler killed people. Uh huh. And you well, don't think that babies that oh wow. You know, this one didn't come out quite right. You, you don't think that... Well, <laughs> see, obviously, I, under I understand what you're saying, but I'm saying before it even gets to that stage of being an embryo, you build the genomic sequence of your child before it's, before it's put into the mother's body to become pregnant. So... Yeah, but there are flukes of nature all the time, and I, I just, I don't... I, it is not, it is not a, a future that I would want to be in, and, and I don't feel right about. Well, these are, these are important questions that I think yeah. <laughs> will be pressing us sooner than we would realize, at least for yeah. some people. Like, this is, this is kind of, I don't know. I feel like, in some ways, we're at the forefront of genetic technology. Like, we are, like, we are at the the last like decade or so before it's becomes everywhere like okay, we're at I the mean, end of it i mean they're doing it with animals so people are people already now are able to clone their pets by you know preserving some of their dna and then once they pass making a new one but although it may look like it physically it never has the same essentially soul it never behaves the same they don't act the same. There's just so many things 
wrong with it. And it's, you know, think about purebred dogs. How many of them, you know, have been, you know, quote unquote, bred to perfection, but they're not right. They're not, they're not mentally right. They're unstable. My, my brother's dog was a sweet dog, but man, he was not a stable dog. And unfortunately he was a 145 pound dog that as a result was very dangerous to people. So I just, I, I'm not, is not, is not a future that I want to see because I don't think that there, there are any go. guarantees. <laughs> Sorry. I just don't think that there are any guarantees in the science of that. And I think, you know, if they bred this per perfect um, human species that all looked and acted the same way, it would be a very boring existence. But that's me. Well, I, I always thought that the reason we go to technology is is because we are incapable of a species of communicating with like we're using technology as a way to communicate between each other more efficiently and if we were mm -hmm. a species that that had the same connection as like i guess bugs are probably insects are probably the best example like where they could communicate through the queen bee to every like and the the message could be processed to everyone instantly and the internet is a way of us skipping over the evolutionary steps to get there okay or maybe not just something I think about sometimes. Yeah. But yes, thank you all for joining me, especially you, Jen, for coming, taking time in your busy oh, schedule. God, no, well, thank you for having me. This was uh, a lot of fun. And I'm, from the sounds of it, I'm, I'm glad I um, was able to participate on the best book so far. Yes. Yeah, that's the way <laughs> to do it. And then um, I guess, I guess we, I, we don't need to do dream casting, but I, but more universally, do we want to see a movie of this? I think it could be really cool. Oh, yeah. I already have the actors in my head. <laughs> oh, I, oh, yeah. I, Do you have people? Please go ahead. I, I always visualize people and in, in not for any particular reason other than it just helps me as I'm reading remember who they are. But um, I don't know people's names. But I always saw Rob as kind of Glenn from The Walking Dead. I saw. Wait, I have to look that up because I don't watch The Walking Dead. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I don't know. Do you guys watch Scandal? Yes. No, but please oh my go God. ahead. I'm, so the listeners. Veronica, do. Veronica is totally Quinn to me. Like physically, I. Oh see my God, Quinn. that's that's perfect. Yes. Oh, you like that? Okay. I yeah. agree. That's who I see. And then again, I don't know her name, but um, I see somebody like a Kamora Lee Simmons is the uh, or Simons as. Lorelai character, but younger. Yeah, okay. Um, you should cast all the movies. <laughs> Aww. That would be fun. That would be fun. Um, Any, I didn't know we had anybody specific? for Nathan. Okay. I didn't, I didn't have anybody specific for Nathan. He's kind of uh, like an anonymous pretty boy to me. Not a bad thing, that, but just not just, a... Just what it was. What about yeah. uh, Winter or Mira? Winter, um... <laughs> this is horrible, but whatever the human version of the um, Merida from Brave, <laughs> <laughs> whoever would play her, whoever would be uh, cast as her in real life. Very cool. And uh, Winter, it's funny. I don't think I got enough of a physical description, or at least not that I remember, other than cute. Not really pretty, but cute. Like I don't remember. I think there was long hair was. at one point. I think it was long. Yeah. One, or maybe I made that up. Yeah. I was just picturing, you know, like some Midwest cute 
farmer's daughter. I don't know. I didn't really get that far on her. Okay. There you go. I mean, I, I like see it. the reason I I'm not very good with actors or actresses' names. Like, who would I want to give to Win- as Winter? Not that anyone watches Survivor as much as I've been lately, but like Kim Spradlin is like perfect for Winter. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna have to look her. Yeah, up. got nothing on that one. Yeah. I mean, that's who I thought. Like when I when I when I was thinking of her, I was like, that's kind of who I imagine. Okay. You're like googling it. Um, and I then, it's not coming up as anything. <laughs> oh, really? That's shocking. As she, maybe you Google Survivor One World Winner. Okay. That'd probably be that'd probably be your fastest way of getting there. Or Survivor One World Kim, and then and oh well, and then let's talk about stuff that's coming up in the next two weeks. Or February 9th, we have we're going to be doing the listeners' choice book Neuromancer with the re- with our favorite author. And returning guest, R.S. or Rod. Rod. Belchor. <laughs> Rod Belchor. He's going to be joining us again for our excitement with uh, with the Neuromancer. So it's, uh, hopefully hopefully he'll give us some excite on stuff that he's been working on. And then the next book after that, I, ha- I need to update the website, and I will soon. I'm, I picked in honor of, like how much South Africa has been in the news lately. And in the, in another fact that we've only had one fantasy book this entire time, which is the Emperor's soul. I was like, well, it's time for another fantasy for real. And I'm picking zoo city by Lauren Bukes. So it's, it's a, it's a fantasy uh, urban fantasy set in South Africa. So hopefully it's good. I hear good things. There's, there's a friend of mine at work, Michael. He's, he talks, he loves Lauren Bukes. So I've, I've good faith that I'll be good. And then Tiffany, you said you were going to, you knew what the uh, April book was going to be. Yes, Let me, it is. Did I do going, the math correctly? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's going to be Legend by Marie Lu. So there you go. Not is that? Do you know that that's sci-fi? But yes. with Lauren Bukes and Marie Lu, those are going to be our first two female authors back to back. So there you go. That's exciting. We've been male heavy, not male protagonist heavy, but male author heavy. Hmm. In case you weren't, if anyone was playing the at-home game, <laughs> no one was playing the at-home game. Did you? Did you run it? Did you manage to find Kim Spradlin? I did, Jen? and she's very girl next door. So, so, so you could see. Do you when you look at her, do you accept her as Winter? Yeah, I think so. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. Good for us. And, and Ed, I can't believe you don't watch Scandal. It's amazing. It is so incredible. I just watched the first two and a half seasons, so I'm ready to. I'm so part. mad. It's been like a million years since the last episode. I can't Can even we imagine. Get back to what's important right now. Yeah, I can't. I can't believe it's been such a long break. But it, maybe it's because she's pregnant in real life. But no, it's a, um, it's an ABC. It had the same thing happened last season too. Like it's you oh. know it's awards. It's a, very similar to. You know how Glee takes its really long breaks. It's Got it's it. the same thing. Yeah, people were yelling at Shonda last year for the same thing. Oh, I would be so frustrated if I hadn't just finished, you know, the end of or the the middle of season two or three, um, about two weeks ago. 
I mean, oh, no, I mean I, I've been watching it. I've been watching it as it's been going. And yeah, speaking of spoilers, though, see, I don't have cable, so okay. I have to watch Scandal on Friday on Hulu. But I oh. pretty much have to just log off of everything because I have my friends on Facebook are like talking about <laughs> it. People are live tweeting, and I'm just like, I cannot talk to you people for 24 oh. hours. I have to just shut you off. Yeah, it it is it is so good. I'm surprised I got so sucked in. And it's not like revenge where it was like, oh, first episode was so good, and then it just continued to suck from that point forward. It's really good. Revenge was much. The first season of Revenge was was excellent, and then it got kind of strange. Um, mm-hmm. I'm about six episodes behind right now, and I'll catch up whenever. But I Scandal's one of those yeah. ones where I literally cannot get through Friday without yeah. seeing it. Like I have to see it. Yeah, I definitely look more forward to Scandal than Revenge at this point. So good. Yeah. You should totally watch, Ed. It's great. I think the first season of Scandal is on Netflix. You should do it. Yeah, I probably and, should do it. I've heard good things. And excellent. season three, the first, I think the portion of season three is on Hulu, and then I think season two might be on Amazon. I know I had to watch it three different places. Oh my goodness. Um, but it was worth it. It was so worth it. It's good. I approve. And you've got, you've got, you've still got a month before it comes back, so plenty of time to catch up. I'm, yeah. It's like February totally. 20 uh, something. Third or seventh or something. Eighth, whatever. Yeah. 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 Terrible. End of February, Ed. You've got tons of time. Ten a month. Just right? watch the first episode. I... If it doesn't drag you in, okay. But it will. Yeah. Like the rest it will. I will. I will lose. Yeah. Absolutely. I know there yeah. was, um, I know Paris Geller, Liza Well was in Scandal at some point, so that has that alone had me intrigued. Who? Who? Liza Liza Well, L I Z A W E I L. Well, Liza Well. I don't know. So. Oh. When I knew yeah. that she was in the first season, I knew. Like I like. Oh. Like I I love she? her on. Gilmore Girls, uh, Paris Keller. She was she was Amanda Tanner in the first season. Oh the, my god! Yeah, that was her. Wow, she looks so different. The, the pictures that come up, she's actually has makeup on. Oh yeah, she has um in Scandal. She's in a really nice chunky sort of role in the first season. Yeah. So yeah, oh, I, I've yeah. always intended so to watch hard. it for her. You should for her. <laughs> and then and I heard Kiko Ajina was on it as well. Oh my gosh. Oh god. Kiko, Ajina. K E I K O space A G E N A. She doesn't look familiar. What's I know she was in it. I think e- Ajina. A G. It's like agenda without the D. Ah, yes. Oh. That's much simpler. That, that I can find. Oh, okay, okay. She oh, was on it, but she was only on it for, like, an episode or two. Yeah, she okay. was a couple. Yes, and I know... Yeah. What was okay. she in? I mean, I know her from Gilmore Girls. I just love Gilmore oh, okay. Girls. I've, I've watched that series, like, a thousand and a half times. That's why I know everyone on that show. See, and I never watched Gilmore Girls. Is it on Netflix? Maybe I'll, I'll catch up with it. I've is never it? seen Maybe it either. It <laughs> oh, God. I've seen it... Seven times now, all seven seasons. Oh my gosh! Well, Tiffany it's and I serious... should do a show because we have the same taste. Yeah, apparently, we the same things. <laughs> well, no, I go. haven't watched Breaking Bad, but it's on my list. Oh, it's on my list. It's, yeah, it's there's there's 
you know, there's just so much out there. I have, um, my job goes through spurts, and I work on two computers at all times, so always on one of my computers I have uh, Netflix going, so I, I that's why I'm able to get through two and a half seasons of um, Scandal in about a month. So yeah. It's, yeah, I cheat. That's okay. Yeah. My, my husband um, actually has three computer screens, and so he can, like, be on the wow. same computer and still have, like, one screen that's completely, like, you know, right. he uses it for, like, Pandora or something. Mm-hmm. But I, when I'm on his computer, I'm completely watching some TV thing on one side and working on the other side. It's yep. awesome. Yeah. Absolutely. Are any of you watching the hot mess of reality show Opposite Worlds? It's it's such a yeah. hot mess. Never heard of it. But I'm still watching <laughs> I don't it. Watch, I don't I, watch reality shows. I'm I'm a bit of a reality junkie. Uh, We we still like you. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's kind of Survivor meets Big Brother, but not as good as either. Half half the house is like in future technology, and the other half the house is like primitive cave people stuff. I mean, it's intriguing. Oh, I've seen that on the Sci-Fi Network. I watch. um, I say I don't watch reality show, but we watch Face Off, and I've seen the previews for it. Face Off is okay. See, Face Off. It's more similar to me to American Idol and to mm-hmm. Project Runway. It's and a competition Sheer Genius. show, yeah. But yeah. It's, it's like it's a talent-based competition show. It isn't just a competition reality show. Like there's, mm-hmm. it's an unless, artistic competition. unless the talent, unless the talent is survival. Like Survivor isn't really <laughs> like <laughs> I can yeah. get food. I guess that's part yeah. of it at the beginning, anyways. Yeah. Well, I, I really, I, I like the artistic um, ones. I've never watched Project Runway, but I did on an airplane, like a six and a half hour flight, I did watch like most of the other, the fashion show one with um, oh, Kelly. Kelly Rowland? Yeah, Kelly Rowland, sorry. That that uh, that show was a bit of a... Mm, I'm sure it was a total knockoff from it the other one, but because I'd never seen the other one, it was kind of interesting to me, but... Oh no, I I love I, mean, it was interesting. I love like I like competition shows. Uh specifically like the ones that have to do with cooking. Like I love Top Chef, Master oh. Chef, all of those. Those are yeah. my favorite ones. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Now before before Emily yells at me for talking about reality shows. I was just about to like talk about minutes. Emily. I was like, sorry, Emily. <laughs> yeah, sorry. We apologize. Okay. But actually I'm like looking at the time and speaking, I might I have to start dinner. For real, it's probably like five thirty there. It's or five. It's five forty. Yeah, we. I wanted to grill tonight, so it's not that I really have to start cooking as much as I've got to clean the grill. So. Well, there you go. Well, Thank you for joining us once again. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Well, I'll do the plugs at the beginning of the show. And uh, join us in two weeks for the Neuromancer episode. And join us again in March for Zoo City, and in April for Legend. And thanks, thanks everyone to listen for listening. And feel free to review us on iTunes. Hi, Have a nice night, everyone. Hi, <laughs> Good night. Bye.
clubs, they all play live. So, um, so they, you know, the Oscars and Golden Globes start at five here instead of eight, which is actually great because I don't want to be, you know, staying up to midnight on a Sunday night. And sporting events, it's great because I'm a Red Sox fan and they usually, you know, games usually start at seven out there. So that's four out here. And again, don't have to wait up all night for the outcome. So then why do they time delay the Grammys then? If everything, if like, if, if it's used to it or is it like a CBS thing? I don't, I, I don't know. No, it's just certain award shows don't, there isn't a lot of, um, there isn't as much money on it. You know, it, it's like, well, actually the Vegas can't take odds on any award show because they can't take odds on anything where a human being would know the actual outcome because, you know, the recipients, their names are in envelopes. But Vegas can only take odds on stuff um, that the outcome is unknown, like a live sporting event. Nobody knows it ahead of time. But I don't know why. Just certain award shows don't warrant the live feed, you know? Good to and know. I think, I, think, I think out here, especially in L.A., I think especially out here, everybody wants to see it exactly as it's happening. I mean, that's that's kind of what I figured. But I was like, well, why is the Grammy so different still? That's what I was kind of, yeah, I guess that no, was I, where I, my question. I know what you're saying. I just don't think it's as. It's I mean, not as prestigious. It. I get no, it. No, 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 <laughs> no. What, what I'm saying is like, I don't think the outcome is that big a surprise or is that important. The thing about the Grammys is everybody watches it for the, you know, the performances. Who actually gets the awards is really kind of secondary, I think. It is. Like, everyone just talks about being nominated. Like, like nominated is winning in some capacity. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's kind of more like... Well, not that the Oscars and the, you know, other things aren't. But I think the Grammys... It, my impression is that it's more of a personality contest and more of a, you know, like who sold the most records? Well, they're obviously going to get it. I think that makes sense. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Billboard Music Awards are literally based on sales. So, yes. I like to think there's some merit to the people who win the Grammys. I like to think that. But well, I'm also... Like naive person <laughs> but no i mean like but you could also you know like to think that there's some merit in record sales too but it, it's so subjective like any award show but i i just for whatever reason the i know the, the oscars start early out here which makes it my life easier true story i mean i guess it would be a little confusing because if you were watching like the e red carpet live oscar stuff and then all of a sudden you're like, three hours from now, we'll see the yeah. actual event. <laughs> well, exactly. And it's all going to be on the, it's all going to be online too. That's true. Okay. I don't know how you yeah. even live in the West Coast and are anti-spoiler. Like the West Coast were, was built <laughs> for spoilers. Okay. So there's this app now. It's called Spoiler Shield. Or is it called Spoiler Shield? Oh, God. It's a free app, and you can sync it to your um, your Facebook and to your Twitter to block any um, 
any possible spoilers of stuff that you're interested in. It is hard, like when Breaking Bad, when the Breaking Bad finale ran, we had to we had to get off the internet three hours beforehand. Well, I didn't watch Breaking Bad, so you could have kept your Twitter on Edward, <laughs> and you would have been yeah, fine. same here. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay. I'm just joking. Yeah. No, it's true. It's so funny because thing Josh and I I don't really read Twitter, so but Josh every now and then be like, "Oh shit, I just saw something." Like, okay, it's your own fault. Get off, get off your phone, get off your iPad, all that stuff. I I I couldn't handle that. See, I don't know. This is why I (laughs) like spoilers. Spoilers are a good time. Sometimes I some sometimes I don't like spoilers, but most of the time I do. Yeah, and I don't know. I it I'm kind of no. I'm pretty. I'm pretty spoiler averse. But it's funny because I know we're gonna have these same uh, the same debate about the book <laughs> and uh, the abundance of social media in the future. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There you go. See, this is the great leading conversation. Are you guys ready to start? Because sure. I mean, yeah, sure. Yay. Okay.